0: God's grace, peace, and mercy be with you on this 22nd Sunday after Pentecost. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. This is the big movie right now, okay? First Man. It's, uh, it's uh, in the theaters. It's going to catch a lot of Oscars next year, no doubt. And no doubt besides Jesus, Neil Armstrong is one of the most famous human beings in the history of man. But few probably remember the fifth man, the fifth man to walk on the moon, Jim Irwin. Now, even though both men walked on the moon, the two couldn't have been more different personality-wise. As the movie First Man portrays very well, Neil Armstrong was a very, extremely private man. Didn't like to talk about himself at all. No one really knew if he was religious. He wasn't interested in writing his memoirs or anything like that. Jim, on the other hand was very personable, outgoing about his Christian faith, and even made it his mission in life to tell people about Jesus after he came back from the moon on Apollo 15. And within a couple of years after he came back from the moon, he wrote a book about his life and his experience. In his book, he describes the conflict he had with his wife Mary over religion. Now, Jim was a Christian for sure, But all his life, he bounced around from church to church, never really attaching himself to any one denomination. His wife, Mary, on the other hand, was a devout Seventh-day Adventist, and that was a problem for him because she would go to church on Saturday morning, then sleep all afternoon. Now, you can imagine when you're training with NASA for ten years to go to the moon, you know, you're probably lucky to get a Saturday off to be with your family, Here's what he said about it. I had been upset with Mary's insistence on attending church on Saturday. Although I went with her a few times, it bothered me. Saturday had always been a day of activity for me, but it was her custom to take a nap Saturday afternoon. I was irked by Saturday church and Saturday naps. Well, all differences aside, it is a common practice for Christians to rest on Sunday after church. I once heard a Lutheran back in Missouri tell me after church was over one Sunday, I'm going to go home now and pray to St. Mattress. I said, we're Lutherans. We don't pray to the saints, remember? Jim Irwin was the kind of guy that, uh, I mean, he just, couldn't, he just couldn't rest. Or wouldn't. You know, he was driven by his work and his desire to reach the goal of the moon, and it dominated his life all those years leading up to it. At the same time, he strived to live by his faith in the promise and in faithfulness to God. So it must have been uh, a very hard for him to uh, reconcile both. But I would say many, if not most, Christians are in the same boat. Work dominates our lives, and I dare say, even though I don't know from experience yet, but from what I've seen, even for those who are retired, your lives are still filled with activity. Is it not? Okay, well, I was right then. <laughs> even leisure activities are filled with activity and accomplishment. This isn't from an ad from a cruise, cruise line. Does this look like rest to you? Are cruises really restful? Doesn't look like it to me, but uh, I could be wrong. I'm sure the kids would think that's a great-looking time. The funny thing about cruises and resorts and vacations is they're all designed for rest in order to get you back to work. You know, as far as the world goes, we're known by what, we're, by what we do for a living, right? Whether you're a student or retired or all the things in between, what we do is how we understand our lives and give it value. All that being said about rest then, how about we let God reevaluate rest for us from Scripture, particularly through this reading from Hebrews? Let us then strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. What does this mean? If we don't go home and flop down on the mattress or the lazy boy, we'll be disobedient to God? Some Christians might take it that way. And rest is certainly something the human body needs, right? We all know that. Even if we fight against it, always staying busy and always doing something around the house or the garden or Whatever. Do you have a relative or your father or mother maybe or a grandparent who would tell you they used to work so hard, they worked their fingers to the bone? Yeah? I once heard from someone from the greatest generation that the message of the gospel, you know, that you didn't have to do any work on your part to be saved, used to get a lot more traction with society, especially during the 1930s when it seemed... Most people were working hard manual labor type jobs and they were exhausted every day from working so hard in a factory or digging ditches or making roads or mining coal, whatever. I was told that the message of Jesus giving rest to the weary was more powerful and relevant to those who were actually physically exhausted. Not so much today, however. Think about it. There's not as much heavy labor anymore in this country. There are just as many machines making things, but they're easier to operate now. They're more automated. Not as much heavy lifting or working your fingers to the bone type work. So the Christian message to people that they don't have to be, to work to be saved perhaps doesn't resonate as much today. It's lost on people who aren't physically exhausted all the time. We've lost that gospel handle or or tool, so to speak, to help people see the need for Jesus, but we still have the original meaning of rest as God would have us know it, and it's something which stretches beyond time and space. We are to look forward to an end To all our labors, physical, mental, and spiritual. God made a promise to Israel that He would give them the gift of land for them to enjoy His rest. And that wasn't to say that they would eventually wind up in some oasis in the desert and kick back on lounge chairs and enjoy the sunshine. The promised land would have its troubles. There'd be enemies camped out on You know, in all directions, there'd be wars and famine, you name it. But the land was the spot, the place, where the promises of God to provide a Savior, the Messiah, and a temple to worship at, and all the blessings would happen there and be a foretaste of the things to come when God would make everything new again. This is the kind of rest that God's given to the Christian church through Jesus, the promised Messiah of Israel, and the means by which he gives his saving grace to each one of us, mainly his word, baptism, and the Lord's Supper. And so we are to look forward to this rest. I mean, basically, the author of the Hebrews pointing us or guiding us to heaven. That's the rest that God is speaking to us about here. And again, that's not to say heaven is some eternal lazy boy chair or mattress of fluffy, comfy clouds and we're going to sleep all the time. No, it's a real place. It's the new earth. It's rest in that all sadness will be gone. All war and death will be a thing not even remembered. We won't even remember those things. We'll have things to do And it won't be busy work. We won't overwork ourselves. We won't work our fingers to the bone. We won't be arguing over which day is the Sabbath and practicing it on different days because eternity will be the Sabbath. And we are to look forward to this and not let go of it through disobedience. Now, what kind of disobedience would make us let go of this promise? Well, one example would be Jesus warns us not to worry, right? In Matthew, worrying too much about everything is a kind of disobedience because we're not trusting God with our future. We're putting, we're putting it all on ourselves, trusting in ourselves more. Idol worship would be another example. Loving other things and people more than God. You get the picture, right? Just learn about Israel in the scriptures. God brought them out of Egypt into the promised land many hundreds of miles away to the east. And all along the way, people grumbled and complained and fell away and failed at every turn to love God with all their hearts. Yet despite all that, God carried them through. And then Moses died, and Joshua became leader, and they rested for generations in a place that was a a prototype or a, a prefiguring of heaven. It was taken away for them for 70 years, and then it was given back. But the ultimate rest was with the second Joshua, Jesus, who saves us from sin and death. So what I'm trying to say to you today is you can go home and rest, enjoy the rest of this, uh, uh, enjoy the rest of this Christian Sabbath day, or take any other day of physical and mental rest You know, mine will be tomorrow. That's all well and good for the body and mind, and we we have the freedom in Christ to do that, not as law to obey and please God, but because it's good for us, which ends up being good for others. But more importantly, remember the promise of forgiveness of sin and eternal life, and get peace from that. It's a continuation of last week. We've been brought into faith by Jesus, not by our, our our own works or cleverness, but by the Holy Spirit who gives us faith as a gift. He himself is a gift from God to all of us. Nevertheless, take it seriously. You've got God on your side working for you and in you, so don't be disobedient. Strive to enter his rest so that you neither so that you or Neither no one else may fall away in disobedience. Enjoy the result of God's completed work, which is bearing fruit for your you know right in front of your very eyes in this place right now. God has fully completed six days of his work in creation, and his Sabbath, re- his Sabbath rest continues throughout time. In Jesus Christ, you and I enter into God's day of rest and experience the peace He gives because He has loved you from the very beginning of time. And He has died to save you and rose again so that you would rise on the last day and live forever in the promised land. That's the rest God wants for you and gives to you. So believe it. Enjoy it. Treasure it. Don't let go of it. Amen. May the peace of God, which passes all human understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.